0: Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're Living the Bible Together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions and ministry.
1: Good evening Liberty Hill. Tonight's Bible study will be coming out of 1st Samuel chapter 10 verse 17 through 27 and I'll be teaching out of the NI version. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for another opportunity to come into your presence to study your word. Lord God, it is my prayer that you open every ear to hear and every heart to receive all that it is that you would have for us to receive. And dear God, I will be so careful to give you all the honor, glory, and praise because I recognize that it all belongs to you. And so it is in Jesus' name I pray this prayer. Amen. First Samuel chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, No, appoint a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes, the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin clan by clan and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish was taken, but when they looked for him, he was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. They ran and brought him out. And as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel, Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of the kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people to go, their own, go to their own homes. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some scoundrels said, How can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. So is the reading. As we examine this evening's text, we will find the public revealing of God's choice for Israel's first king and the various responses to God's choice. We will also see in the text, we will see a shift taking place. There will be a shift in government. Up until this point, Israel was governed by judges. But because Israel requested a king, because they wanted to be like all the other nations around them, they wanted a king to rule over them, we will see that there will be a shift in government. They will go from being governed by judges to being governed by a monarchy. It's important for us to note that prior to God revealing who Israel's first king will be, he first has something that he wants to say to Israel. So look with me at verse 17. It says, Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God who saves you out of all your disasters and calamities. And you have said, no, appoint a king over us. So before Israel's king is revealed, God is sharing a history lesson, if you will, with Israel. He is sharing with them how he has been good to them, how he has delivered them from the power of Egypt and all of the kingdoms that oppressed them. He shared with them how he had saved them out of all their disasters and calamities. And then he tells them, but you have rejected me. You rejected me when you asked for a king. God felt like as if that God was saying to them that he had been their king, but because they wanted to be like all the other nations around them and have a human king, a visible king, if you will, um, over them, that that was them rejecting them. That very request was sharing with god that they were now rejecting them they didn't want him as um, their king they wanted a human king and so he's giving them a history lesson if you will on how good he has been to them how he has delivered them from their oppressors and how he has delivered and saved them out of disasters and calamities and even though when they requested to have a king even though he had tried to warn them and told them all the negative effects that the king would have on their lives they still wanted what they wanted they still wanted to be like the other nations and they wanted a king so god said he would grant their request and so after samuel shares what the lord says he tells them to present themselves before the lord by their tribes and clans and in verse 20 when samuel had all israel come forward by tribes The tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. What is taking place here is that Samuel is using the casting of Lots to select who God is choosing to be the first king of. The casting of Lots was a process used in those times to reveal God's will. And so Samuel is using this process to select God's who God is choosing for Israel's first king so the first lot that was cast the tribe of Benjamin was taken and then they bring forth the clan uh Benjamin's clan clan by clan and the clan of Martry's clan was taken and out of Martry's clan finally Saul son of Kish was taken and I know that can be difficult to understand so I'm going to try to explain it in a more simpler way Think about it this way, think about the church, the Liber- Liberty Hill as being a tribe, New Birth as being a tribe, and First Church as being a tribe, and um, Ebenezer Baptist Church as being a tribe. When the, the lots was cast, Liberty Hill was the tribe that was selected. So Liberty Hill would come forward, and then another lot would be cast, and out of Liberty Hill, a family, which they referred to them as clans, and so like the Haynes family or the Curry family or the Hodge family or the Shaw family or the Brooks or Thomas family so out of that clan a lot would be cast and then a family would be taken let's say that family was the Thomas family and so another lot would be cast and out of the Thomas family someone out of the Thomas family um, would be selected and so what happened is out of Martry's family, out of the clan of Martry, Saul was taken. He was selected to be Israel's first king. But what is interesting here is that although Saul was chosen, though he was the one who was selected by God to be Israel's first king, he was not present. The text says that he was not to be found. When they looked for him, he was nowhere to be found. So what do you do? when the person who God selected is nowhere to be found? What do you do? Do you cast a lot again and go with someone else? What do you do in this case? Do you move on? Do you wait until he appears? What do you do in this case? What do you do when the one that who God selected can't be found? Let's look at verse 22. When they looked for him and he could not be found, verse 22 says, so they inquired further of the Lord. So instead of moving on or instead of casting another lot to select someone else, they inquired of God, which is the right thing to do. It was God who was doing the selecting. So if the person who God selected Was nowhere to be found, it only makes sense to go back to the one who was doing the selecting. So they went and inquired of God. They are saying, and they said to him, Has the man come here yet? But how many of us would have done the same thing as the Israelites did? How many of us, when we cast a lot or when God has made his selection of who he was choosing to be in a particular position or to serve in a particular role, when that person is nowhere to be found how many of us would inquire the lord or how many of us would choose to move on and do something else or to make another selection how many of us will fail to go back and seek god about it but instead choose to do something else choose to pick someone else choose to move on in the process without seeking god but That's not what they did. 22 says they inquired further of the Lord and they asked, has the man come here yet? And then the Lord responded, yes, he has. But look at what God says. He says, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. What do you mean he's hidden among the supplies? Why isn't he present? Why is he hiding? Why is the person who God chose To be Israel's first king. Why is he hiding? Why isn't he here with his family? Why isn't he in position? Why isn't he here? Why is he hiding? Why is this person with this great calling on his life? Why is he hiding? The person who God selected. The person who God chose. The one who God said would deliver them out of the hands of the Philistines. The one who he says is going to lead his people. Why is he hiding? Why isn't he there? Why isn't he present? Before we pass judgment, there are many of us are doing the same things. We are called by God. We are chosen by God. But we too are hiding. Hiding in the pews. God has called you are chosen you to preach the gospel, but you're hiding in the pews. God has chosen you to be, a, to be an entrepreneur, but you're hiding in that nine to five that job. You're hiding in that same position you've had for over 10 or 15 years. How many of us are hiding? God has chosen us for a particular task or a particular assignment, but we're hiding. How many of us have God called to go back to school, but we're hiding behind our excuses? We're too old or the time has passed too late for me. What about those who God is calling to remarry, but you're hiding behind the excuse of what happened in your last marriage? How many of us... God has called us to supervising positions and managing positions, but we're hiding in that same position that we've been holding for umpteen years. What about those who God is calling to start your own business, but you're hiding behind the excuses of what if it fails? Scared to step out. Hiding. Just like Saul. Saul is hiding amongst the supplies. Chosen by God to be Israel's king, their, his, their first king, and he's hiding. The text doesn't give us the reason for, his, for him hiding. Perhaps he's, he's afraid because this is something new. Israel has never had a king before. Maybe he's afraid of the unknown, the uncertainty. What does it mean to be a king? Maybe he's afraid. Or maybe he's hiding because he's reluctant, because he doesn't know what all it, it will entail. Or perhaps he's hiding because of how he th- what he thinks about himself. He's hiding behind, perhaps he thinks that he doesn't think he has what it takes. He doesn't have the qualifications to be king. Perhaps Saul is experiencing a range of emotions. Perhaps it's fear. Perhaps it's he feels like he's unqualified. Perhaps he's worried about what other people will think. Perhaps he thinks that maybe he'll lose friends behind this. And perhaps he simply thinks he may fail at this. And just like Saul, again, many of us, we've been chosen for by God to do a particular task or an assignment called to a particular purpose. And we're hiding, refusing to show up, refusing to be present, They were looking for him. He was nowhere to be found. Is that our story? Are there people looking for us? And we're nowhere to be found because we're hiding behind fear. We're hiding behind reluctancy. We're hiding behind low self-esteem. Or here's one. Or are we hiding in our past? Because we're having a hard time moving past our past. Being Israel's king, he was going to be the first to do it. That was going to be something new for him. And just like him. Something that God is calling us to. We might be the first to do it. We may not know of anybody else that have done this before. But perhaps we're hiding in our past. Afraid to step into the new. Because all we know is what we know. We're comfortable in our past. We're comfortable in our right now. And so they inquire of God and they say, where is he? And God tells them, he reveals to them, he says to them, he's hidden himself among the supplies. And so once they discover that he is hidden among the supplies, verse 23 says that they ran and brought him out. This allows us to understand that although Saul is called by God and although he is not present and although he is is hiding among the supplies, what this shares with us is that although he's hiding, it still does not cause him to not be able to be who he's supposed to be. In other words, his hiding does not disqualify him from the calling. Hiding or not, he is still chosen by God to be Israel's first king. Hiding doesn't disqualify him. He he has not forfeited his calling. He is still chosen by God to be Israel's first king. And the same is true for us. No matter how... Much we have hit, we have hidden ourselves. No matter for how long we have hidden ourselves, no matter where we have hidden ourselves, we are still called by God. We are still chosen by God. We are not this um, us hiding ourselves does not disqualify us. We have not forfeited our calling. We are still called by God to serve in the role that He is calling us to serve in. The Bible is filled with many people who. God had chosen to do, a particular cap, to do a particular task, and it doesn't matter the excuses that they gave or what, or if they chose to go in a different direction than the direction that God was sending them in. At the end of the day, when God chooses you, you will accomplish that very thing that God has called you to do. He called Moses to go to Pharaoh, to call, uh, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Moses told him that, you know, I'm not good at speaking. I stutter. God says, you're going to do it anyway. He gave him, he, he provided him a solution, but he still was chosen by God to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt. He could not get out of it no matter what he tried to do. The same thing with Jonah. God sent him on a particular task, on an assignment. He chose to go in a different direction, called himself hiding on a boat. God found him. He still had to do what God called him to do. No matter where you try to hide, no matter where you try to go, when God has a calling on your life, he will send people after you to get to um, retrieve you. He will send people after you to bring you back to where you are supposed to be. And so they ran and brought him out. And it says, and as he stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others verse twenty four Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? there is no one like him among all the people this allows us to see that there was no one who who there was no one to be compared to um, when it came to Saul he stood head head and shoulders taller than any other others and Samuel said, Do you see' The man, the Lord chosen, there is no one like him among all the men. And just like Samuel, there is no one like you who God has chosen. There is no, there is not another you. There is only one you. No one can compare with you. No one can compete with you. God has chosen you. You are you. And there is none that is like you. No one can duplicate you. No one can do it like you can. People might try to imitate you. They might try to duplicate you. But what they will find is that they will not be able to do it. They will fail at it. There is only one you. They will try to copy your style. They will try to mimic your voice. They will try to do it like you do it. But again, there is only one you. There is only one you. And there is no one in out throughout this earth that is like you. God called you. And like Samuel, I mean like Saul, he is, called, he is being called the first king of Israel. That is something new. He's called to something new. Something that has never been done before in Israel. Yes, the nations around them have a king, but Israel has never had a king. Saul will be the first to do it. Just like Saul being the first to do it, many of us, there, we will be the first to do it. And yes. It will come with some uncertainty yes you will have some fear but know this if god called you he will equip you to do exactly what he called you to do the only requirement we have is to be obedient and to follow his instructions if we can do our part he's going to do the rest he's got you he's got you what you're going in and you're coming out he's got you covered He's going to equip you to do the exact thing that he has called you to do. You will not fail, so you don't have to fear that. You don't have to worry about being unqualified because he will qualify you because he called you. You don't have to worry about what people think. You don't have to worry about any of that. All you need to worry about is what God has called you to do and to make sure that you do it with excellence. And so after Saul emerges from being from hiding amongst the supplies and once the people see him and uh, Samuel presents him to the people, they respond and they say, they shouted, long live the king. And so this response is a response of acceptance. They are accepting God's choice. It doesn't matter that he wasn't present. It doesn't matter that he was hiding amongst the uh, supplies. What matters is that it is God's choice. It is Saul, Saul is the one who God chose. And because God chose him, the people have accepted God's choice. And they shouted, long live the king. They are embracing God's selection. They are embracing God's will. And God's will is for Saul to serve as Israel's first king. And likewise, when God reveals his choice of who he wants to serve in a particular role, our response should be that of acceptance. We should always embrace God's choice. We shouldn't get caught up in... What happened during the process? We shouldn't be caught up in how that person responded to God's selection. We should always be receptive to God's selection. We should always receive that with acceptance. We should never be get caught up in the process of what um, how someone who got selected responded. We should never get caught up in that. We should all. the, the most important thing is. Did God choose him? If God chose him or her, then that's how we then that's what we should accept. And so after the people accepted God's choice, Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of the kingships. He wrote them down on a scroll and he deposited before the Lord. And then Samuel dismissed the people to go to their homes. And so in verse 26, Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. And so here we have the second response to God's choice for a king. And that response is that of support. Verse 26, it says that valiant men, mean courageous men, whose hearts God had touched, accompanied Saul home. God had, um, he had touched the heart of some particular men to be a support system for Saul. And in the same way, in a similar way, God will provide us with a support system. There will be people that he have, that he touched their heart. There will be a select, a select number of people who God will touch their heart to serve as a support system for us. People who are courageous, who are non-fearful, who will be a support to us. When we think of the word support, we think of someone or something that serves as a foundation. God will not leave us out here just hanging by ourselves. He will send someone to be a support for us. Someone who will serve as a foundation, a support system. Someone who he has touched their heart. They will have a heart to serve us. They will help to serve in order to complete the task that God has given us to complete. Those who won't be in competition with us. Those who um, see our vision. Those who will help carry out our vision. Not those who just want to be connected to see where they can get because they are attached to us or um, or to become attached in order to be in the limelight with us, not that type of people. No, God is going to touch the heart of those who, who, whose goal is to serve us in order to move our vision forward, in order to be a great support system for us, those who we can lean and depend on, those we don't have to worry about competing with, those who will not betray us, those who are not looking for an opportunity to um, advance their careers. But no, these will be people whose sole purpose is to serve us. And so God touched the heart of these men, these valiant men, these courageous men who accompanied Saul home. But not only was um, the response of acceptance where the people received God's choice and then the response for um, the choice of God was the response of a support system but also as we continue to look in verse 27, it says, but some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gift." And so we see the third response to God's choice of a king was that of opposition. Those who are not embracing God's choice, those who are resisting God's choice or are in defiant of God's choice These particular people are not feeling Saul being chosen as Israel's first king. In fact, they say, how can this fellow save us? They are questioning his qualifications. They don't think he has what it takes to be king. And likewise, there are going to be times where there's going to be people that are going to accept us. There's going to be people that's going to be um, serve as a support system. But there's also going to be people that are going to be in opposition. They're not going to, they're not going to um, support us. They're not going to accept us. They're going to oppose us, meaning that they're going to resist us. They're going to have a lot of things to say about us. But despite of the opposition, it still doesn't change the fact that God chose Saul, and it doesn't change the fact that God has chosen us. They're talking about how is he going to save, and how can he save us? Well, God knows, because that's why God chose him. They may not see it, they may not understand it, they may not, they may not even believe it, but it still doesn't change the fact that Saul is the one God chose. And likewise, some people may not believe it; they're not in support of it, but it still doesn't change the fact that God chose you. So their non-support doesn't take away the fact that you are chosen. Their opposition doesn't push you out of position. It doesn't change anything. It's just their opinion. They're opposing you. They don't like you. They don't want you. They're rejecting you. But not only did they say, how can this fellow save us? The text says they despised him and brought him no gifts. In other words, they didn't like him. They were disgusted by him. He hadn't done nothing to them, but they didn't like him. They despised him. They didn't bring him any gifts. And in the same way, again, there's going to be people that are not going to be feeling you. They're not going to be feeling you. They're not going to be feeling me. They're not going to be feeling us. They're going to despise us. They're going to have so much to say. They're going to have all this negative things to say. They're going to be defiant. But regardless of how they are, despite the opposition the fact still remains you're chosen. And God will qualify you to do all that he is calling you to do. So don't get caught up in who's not supporting you. Don't focus on the opposition. Sometimes we can focus so much on who's not supporting us that we lose sight of who is. As we've seen before, the people, the majority of the people said, "Long live the king." And then out of that, a support system was developed. God touched the heart of some men to accompany Samuel. I mean Saul. But then here's some scoundrels, some rebels who is opposing Saul. But look what Saul does. This is very interesting. So even though they said, how can this fellow save us? And they despised him and brought him no gifts. The text ends with Saul doing this. He said it says that Saul kept silence. Saul kept silence. In fact, most scholars believe that what he is doing, he he held his peace. He held it in a way, he held it in a way as though he had been deaf. Oh my God, that speaks so much. That speaks volumes. He held his peace in a way as if he was deaf. In other words, as if he had never even heard it. He was deaf. To, In other words, he didn't take notice of it. Oh, that's rich right there. Can we do like Saul? You know, God's chose us to do a particular task. And yet we have some accept. we have some the majority of the people accept us. God has sent us a great support system. But even though um, we have all those good things going for us, there's something negative is there, too. We all there are some people that are going to oppose us. But can we like Saul, can we turn a deaf ear to the opposition? Can we act as if we didn't even hear it? Can we not take notice of it? Again, he held his peace as one who was deaf. Meaning that he didn't even let it resonate with him. He let it roll off his back. Can we do the same? Can we, like Saul, when we are met with opposition, can we meet it as if we were deaf, like we didn't even hear it? Can we not take notice of it? We don't even see it. We don't pay it any attention. Oftentimes, we do the opposite. We spend more time looking at who opposes us than to look at who is for us. Saul kept his silence. He didn't feed into the opposition. He didn't didn't allow the opposition to get into his heart. He didn't allow the opposition to affect him. We can learn a lot here. We can learn a lot. This is so rich here. If we don't learn anything else, we should learn that when we are faced with opposition, when we hear the noise of opposition complaining about us, telling us what we can't do or what we ain't qualified to do or how they don't like us, turn that deaf ear on as if we didn't even hear you. I can't even hear you. I don't even see you. I don't hear you. And so... It says, Saul kept silent. Saul is just one example. But the greatest example of one who kept silent is that of Jesus Christ. He was no stranger to opposition. And he, like Saul, when those opposing forces launched out their attacks and they made their accusations and they opposed him, He was silent. He was silent even on the cross. When they were hurled insults at him, he said he didn't respond to opposition. Yes, there was a time where he responded to God. He asked God, why have you forsaken me? But he never, he never addressed opposition. He never addressed opposition. He hung on that cross. Through all the insults that was hurled out at him, he stayed there. He hung on the cross and he died for us. The one who God chose to be the savior of the world, he hung on the cross and died for us. And not only did he hang on a cross and he died, but he was buried in a borrowed tomb. The one God chose to be the savior of the world. The one God chose to save you and I. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day morning, that very one who God chose to be savior of the world, he rose with all power in his hand. And that is the good news. But it doesn't stop there. He is coming back again. He is coming back again. And that is the good news. And so again, we see here. Saul was chosen to be Israel's king. The very first king. And because of God's choice, there was some acceptance. There was a support system and there was opposition. But when the opposition arose, he was silent. He took a deaf ear to opposition. He didn't allow it to touch him. And so that that concludes our Bible study this evening. Thank you for tuning in. I pray that you was blessed as I was. And I pray that you have a great rest of the week. God bless.
0: This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, Living the Bible Together through Education, Missions and Ministry.